anybody excited about this power play yet? Or are you waiting to see more than just two goals? Good morning to you. I might be able to change that in this particular episode. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Penguins are in Detroit tonight. That's a 7.08 p.m. face-off at Little Caesars Arena, which, by the way, is a really, really nice venue. If you haven't been up there yet for a game, it's not very far from here. Get there. They they do their Red Wings history right, but the overall design of the place and some of the stuff that they've put around it, especially considering what downtown Detroit used to be famously, uh, it's impressive. It really is. This power play that I want to talk about has also been impressive, but maybe in ways that aren't easily recognizable. Yeah, they did pop a couple of goals, and it's only been three games. And there have also been times where they've looked a little bit disjointed, in particular in the opener. But two things of note have happened in my mind that I didn't expect to see through just three games. One is the ease of zone entries. Whether it's Gino, whether it's Sid, whether it's Eric Carlson, you now have several guys, not just one or two, who can gain the zone with possession without having to forfeit possession once they get there. Meaning, you know, the play where you ring it around the boards and try to get it to the other side, the far corner. That puts you at about a 75-25 chance of winning the puck, but it also puts you at a chance of losing it. Whereas just set up and roll is 100% better. The Penguins are doing this at a very high level over the past couple of games. And again, they've spread the wealth in that regard. The other thing that they've done, it, honest to God, I thought this was going to take like a month to happen, but they are moving like crazy. Not the puck, the humans. Everyone's got a different position on this power play, like every 1.5 seconds. There was one the other night against Calgary where Jake Gensel was your center point guy. Remember all the fuss and everything else about the umbrella power play and how Carlson's going to be the guy, and you've got Latang over to the left and Gino over to the right, and this is going to be fun, and you're going to be working the puck down. It just, poof, went right out the window. Like, like it doesn't look like there's a plan at all. I mean, there is. Mike Sullivan's acknowledged that he and Todd Reardon are working closely with these guys. But so much of what it is that they end up discussing amongst themselves, and that is, by the way, how the power play is sorted out. There is not somebody wagging a finger or standing at the chalkboard saying this is how it's got to go. It's a conversation with all of the main participants. But what they do in those settings is they they talk about, for example, uh, puck retrieval. Okay, who's going to be the one that goes after the puck in this situation? Who's going to be the one that comes back first in that situation? This team so far, and again, it's been three games and they've scored two goals. So don't overread anything more into this than what I'm sharing. The Penguins have generated 23 shot attempts 
in a span of nine minutes and 10 seconds with a five on four advantage. And yes, I went and I did the division on that. That means that they generate a shot attempt every 24.4 seconds. Now, what is a shot attempt? For those of you who are new to the game, that means you're just trying to shoot it. It doesn't mean you made it to the goalie. You might miss the net. You might have it blocked. And you, of course, might actually put it on net. In the Penguins case, a shot attempt every 24.4 seconds matters mostly because you wouldn't be shooting the puck unless you were where? Right in the attacking zone. And chances are really good that you wouldn't be shooting on a power play unless you were set up, whatever that happens to entail. Well, the Penguins have the 23 shot attempts in the 9 minutes and 10 seconds. Seven of those shot attempts were considered to be high danger chances. So that means not only did you set up, but you set up efficiently and you found a way to work the puck into the danger areas, into the slot, somewhere between the two dots, or rebounds or deflections of point shots. So they're doing a lot of things right. They haven't been great at finishing so far. The first period of the Calgary game really put a spotlight on that. But then when you see how they did finish, in particular the way Sidney Crosby finished his power play goal in Washington the other night, it looks so easy. Like that looks like the easiest part. It usually is. This is what Sid had to say yesterday after practice in Cranberry about the way the power play is coming along. It's hard to say. I mean, it's just, you know, preparation is probably a big part, just knowing what you're, you're going against. And, and uh, obviously, it's, it's executing. I mean, it's one thing to know what your opponent's going to do, but you've got to go out there and execute. So, um, you know, I think Carl's done a good job. Whoever's carrying the puck, Gino, um, making the right decisions, taking what's what's given there. And, and it makes a huge difference when, when you can enter with possession and, and set up the way you want to. Yeah, he knows. Those guys know. They know all of the various pieces that have to go into it, and they know that entering the zone, setting up, retrieval, movement of players, all of that stuff leads to glorious chances. Glorious chances with this much talent on the ice is going to lead to goals. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Vinny, who says, DK, here's a question. Is it weird that I am a massive fan of the Steelers and Pirates, and I can't really stand to watch hockey? It's too boring for me. I try. Jeez, do I try. But I kind of live through your daily shots of the Penguins, and I, I find the way that you articulate words super interesting, so help me out here. First of all, that's really nice, Vinny. It's also one of my favorite submissions I've gotten in any of the three daily shots all year, because I wish there were more people that would, you know, try some different stuff, you know, try to get to know a beautiful sport, like the grand game of ice hockey. 
And it really is. Unfortunately, Vinny, it comes with challenges that football and baseball don't. And that's why, probably more than any other reason, that there's a stark divide between fans of Pittsburgh teams who live here versus fans of Pittsburgh teams who either have left here or have never been here. And there's a lot of those when it comes to football. But for those who were who were here, you know, years ago and moved for whatever reason, the Steelers and the Pirates were the thing, obviously through the 70s and whatever in the 80s. And then the Penguins were. And when you talk to people who are in this area, they don't really view the Penguins and the Steelers as being on any particularly distinct plateaus. Okay, they're seen as one and the same. The Pirates different. People get mad at the Pirates. They get mad at their owner, Bob Nutting. But even when the Pirates were doing well in 2013 to 15, making the playoffs all three years, they had the most boisterous, raucous crowds in all of Major League Baseball. I'm assuming that you don't live here, and I'm doing so safely. And I'm sure you're going to write back to me today and say, yeah, in fact, I, I don't live there or I don't live there anymore. And the reason for that is hockey, more than the other two sports, has to be appreciated in person. And that's tough. A, ticket demand has been very, very high for this franchise for the better part of 40 years. B, there are no tickets in professional sports more expensive than those of the NHL. It's not easy to get in the building. They do have certain programs, the Penguins do, to try to get others in, to try to learn the game. They are also very active, aggressive, actually, in the community, in building rinks, uh, contributing equipment, teaching clinics. Why? Because hockey has to be experienced firsthand. Whether that's watching it, playing it, coaching it, refing it, whatever it is, hockey has to be experienced firsthand. I don't know of many people who have completely fallen for this sport via television for what I would hope are obvious reasons. Even with the advent of uh, HDTV, which, by the way, has made a massive improvement in the way Hockey can be seen on TVs. Everybody's now got a 63-inch LCD on their wall, and you can see the puck. You at least have a prayer of seeing the puck, whereas you used to not be able to. But a lot of it still requires, boy, this is going to sound geeky, but a lot of it still requires like knowing who the player is just by how they skate. Not even their numbers, just by their body position. Do their shoulders slump? Do they, they, they skate around upright? Like, if you're watching the Penguins right now, as an older, more experienced fan, someone who's played and loved the game for a long time, you're already getting used to recognizing Lars Eller's skating style. He's very upright. And when you see him, you don't have to look for the 20 on his back. You just see that it's him. It's distinct. A lot like... Say, for example, a batting stance in baseball. Now, I obviously can't commit one segment to a show and, you know, teach you magically in a snap everything there is to learn about hockey. I learn it myself every day after a lifetime of doing absolutely everything there is to do in hockey. I'm 
constantly finding out new stuff. But what I can tell you is this, it's worth your while. It really is. There's nothing like it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we're going to do another one of these tomorrow with Vinny.